Hi, welcome. This is a, a leadership collaboration series uh, with my uh, colleague uh, Nancy Halpern all the way in New York. Uh, we call it Leadership Lessons uh, from Across the Pond. And uh, Nancy and I tackle uh, key leadership challenges on a weekly basis uh, via LinkedIn Live. Uh, these could be sort of current to the context we're in and some will be sort of evergreen challenges. And we wanted to share our two very different perspectives on solving these leadership challenges. Do enjoy. Thank you. Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of uh, Leadership Lessons from Across the Pond with myself, Julian Roberts, and my wonderful co-host, Nancy Halpern. Hello, Good Julian. to see you, Nancy. Good to see you, as always. So what, what, what are we possibly talking about today? What are we possibly talking about? A subject which I'm sure... We've been talking for a few weeks now about it. Um, so if, if you've missed them, go to our YouTube channel, uh, and we will can you can sort of see the the, the few episodes on hybrid working. Uh, but a topic which I think is evolving and continuing to be talked about, and obviously being implemented as we speak in lots of organisations. Uh, and so yes, that it continues. And so today we're we're focusing on on the manager, and and how might the manager manage the hybrid team and what are the challenges what concerns they may have and some tips and advice to, to help them i guess mitigate some of that so i'd like to know what you, what your thoughts are on this nancy well a visual comes to mind <laughs> and so, i don't know why i'm laughing you i love your <laughs> visual metaphors an octopus that clones itself every 90 minutes to um, because this, you know, there were so many, there was just one way to lock down. There's a gazillion ways to go hybrid. And so many people have different interpretations, mostly which I have observed, are benefit them. So an organization, for example, wants to max, maximize, understandably, their real estate investment. And they want to be able to see their people now. So they want everyone more or less kind of back to the office where individuals are like, hey, this has been working. So what's in what's in my best interest? So I just see this sort of, it's very hard to get your arms around a cloning octopus. So I just want to paint that pretty picture and embed it in your mind. Um, I, I think that there was an interesting comment that came up in a client discussion on Friday. And they were talking about how they can induce people to come back to the office. And my um, my remark, probably not a, the smartest thing to say to a client, was I don't think better snacks are going to lure people back to the office because the real question you have to ask is how do you induce them to leave home, not how do you lure them back. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a manager, you may find that you are caught in the middle of a sandwich press. You have your... Uh, senior management, and perhaps including head of HR, saying these are our company's policies. We're trying to be flexible, but we have a business to run, and we expect people to do X. You have some members of your team potentially likely pushing back against that to say, well, why? Why do I have to do that? And as a manager, like you do many times, but I think now it's going to be a really kind of tough spot to be in. You're going to have to balance both of those that might be in conflict. 
And I guess the first way I would do it is, I don't know, Julian, I hate to be, you know, overly cliche, but I think you have to pick your battles and know what talent you care the most about from a retention point of view, because I think we're getting into a possibly huge talent flight problem if we come down too hard on talent. Um, And how much political capital do you have with your management? Because if you make exceptions, your manager in the next department is going to be asked for the same exception. And so as a manager, I think you're looking at this in all this multidimensional way. Are your colleagues making exceptions you're not? Or are they going to be angry at you if you do? Are your employees asking you for things that may not be in your power to give? And is your management asking you to conform to something you may not believe in? So once again, I'm very good at giving you lots of problems. And I know you're going to solve all of these based on your experience and wisdom. Yes, I, I think you're right that the conflict stuff, and I think it, the managers potentially are in between it all, and that will be a huge challenge of how they resolve that. Um, and, and I guess it goes back to, you know, going back to the, the team itself and, and making sure, I guess in some ways, if you're a manager, making sure whatever you're doing to resolve it, there is some alignment broadly in, in a principle of how the organisation wants to resolve it. And I guess it's in some ways... You know, having been a leader manager myself, I've always pushed back on stuff initially if I've been asked to do something which I didn't agree. Uh, and I think it's managers need to get into a place where they feel comfortable to execute on whatever that plan may be, and they feel they feel settled with it. Might not totally agree with it, but broadly they feel comfortable with it because um, they've obviously got to see it through. Um, but making sure that you know it does aligned to the the greater good so to speak so i think that's that's really important really uh, in sort of developing that sort of conflict um management uh, approach approach to that um and i guess it's sort of sitting down with your team isn't it and understanding where are the true sort of real pushbacks is that pushback a genuine pushback or is it a in response to a change you know, last year we were forced to change, as in because of the nature of government lockdowns and everything else. It was, it was it was imposed upon us. In some ways, this is similar potentially, depending how the how an organisation is panning out. But is it just them um, frustrated and they're just going through a change curve actually because they're just struggling with that change? I.e., I'm so used to working from home, and going back is I'm actually anxious about it. I'm struggling with it. It's another change for me. And so I think sometimes conflicts not always somebody pushing back. I think sometimes conflict, actually, some people just genuinely going through a process and you just need to recognize that and, and then help them through that process. Well, I do think resistance is really fascinating. And I think that managers often give it short shrift, if that's the expression. Though I don't know what a shrift is, but or short shift, I don't know what it, they give them. But it, they, they don't really go a couple of layers down because I suspect some of the resistance is going to be about productivity measures because there's definitely an evolution I've heard of moving performance evaluation to output. Um, But at the top of your organization, you're going to have people who are very resistant that I can't monitor your work. So I think one issue for the manager is figuring out separating the slackers from the brown nosers in a hybrid environment, 
because I was just speaking with my neighbor who talked about not a drug report, but someone who didn't log in until 1050 and he lied saying he had an IT checked his account and sure enough, he had not. And he finally admitted he had overslept. But this sort of, you know, how do you know somebody's really being productive if you can't see them? But I'm sure it's going to be illegal to monitor their activity. Then you have the person on the team who potentially says, oh, oh, no, I want to be there every day. And, and, and so they are trying to win political points for themselves in showing how much they care. And so as a manager, I think one of your key tasks in um, leading your hybrid team is going to make sure that you have a very equitable sense of talent evaluation. And that might change how organizations really look at talent. I guess the sort of last big piece of advice, well, maybe not the last, but the next big piece of advice I would give, I wish people would start looking at this as guardrails, not policies. Yes. And because I, I think policies are going to make your people feel choked, you know, we're guardrails, okay? These are the guardrails. And exactly, yeah sense and i think i think print the principal guardrails are far better than actually this is a policy and this is how to do it because then it becomes very much people then like with a policy like a letter of the law they look for ways of how they can get out of it as opposed to here's the principle of what we're trying to achieve and this is a way of going about it and it gives a little bit of not wriggle room get a flexibility within that context doesn't it because yeah, well, you know, you're going to need it you're going to need that flexibility right now and going back to productivity and all that sort of stuff um although i don't particularly like the word productivity really because it means working really hard and getting up early and doing lots of stuff and you know if you're a really? farmer you'd be out really early out till late but well, i'd I rather get i don't think yeah. about it that way at all sorry i think about it as sort of a sense of accomplishment did i actually produce what I yeah, but I I get it. You're right. I guess just sort of producing like stuff. Life. Some people just go in the office and produce stuff, but it doesn't mean they're producing right stuff or quality. Yeah, quality. And okay. so I would rather go back to more of this, which I think is more shifting out of the results based culture, outcome based culture, whatever you want to call it, where people have got absolute clarity on the expectations in their role of what oh. you're here to deliver in terms of specifics and how you go about that. Um, as far as, as long as it's you know ethical, legal, and within the constraints of what the company is aiming to do, then go and do it. And it's that you know enabling and empowering approach, which I think hybrid does create that. And I think that's where a lot of leaders struggle with. And we're talking leadership next week, but a lot of leaders struggle where they love the sort of command and control, and now they are like the, the team being at home, they have lost all that and they've got this team that are all autonomous and they struggle with that. And I think it's um, making sure that if you are clear with goals and objectives, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying people should get up at 10 o'clock and all that sort of stuff. And the balance of being available for, you know, certain conversations, certain client, all that sort of stuff. And there's, there's obviously some sensibility, but if somebody starts at 10, whether well, starting eight, as long as they hit the results they're trying to achieve, does it really matter in a sense? To some cultures, it does. I don't think it does. I no. never have thought it, it does. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about leaders and power and all those juicy things next week. I did also want to though stress that this is a grand experiment. 
And if you can please, please approach it with a sense that it's iterative. <clears throat> it's, I mean, one of the reasons I like the guardrail metaphors, if even when you're driving, guardrails protect you from falling off the cliff, but it doesn't mean you don't shift as the road does, right? Mm. This is a guardrail because you're going to learn things in the doing of this that you couldn't have known before because no one's done it before. So, you know, I was recently, I was recently asked for examples of how this is being done right. And I'm like, there are none. <laughs> like, I could lie, <clears throat> but I'd rather not, you know. So please give yourself forgiveness as a manager to get it wrong, your organization to yes. not get it right or vice versa, and to adjust. I mean, because we don't know how long this period, we don't know if this is a permanent shift in work as such as like away from cottage industries to factories or the intro of lapped, you know, PCs. I mean, those were revolutionary things. Is this interim <clears throat> until people okay. don't know when, or is this a major tectonic shift in how people view their work experience? I think it's more the latter, but selfishly it's more interesting. Um, but if, you know, you, I don't, you know, the great expression, if you want to hear God laugh, make a plan. So, you know, if COVID has taught us nothing else, it's that you cannot predict the future. And sometimes you have to be enormously agile in your pivots. Well, I would not lose that mindset. I wouldn't think of this as going back, right. you know, because back isn't there anymore. Back's gone. So what do you want to create now? Mm. I'm sorry, Julian, I did have one really exciting idea I wanted to talk about. Can I throw that out? Go for it. Go for it. So one of my clients, because this is like a sort of unspoken fear, but they burbled up that hybrid in everyone's mind is going to be Tuesday through Thursday. Because who's going to want to work on a Friday? Like, why would you pick Friday as one of your in the office days if you had to? And Monday could potentially be a problem. So the idea I had when I was walking the dog is... PwC just published this research that every most organizations, like 68%, define hybrid as three days in the office. 58% of employees define hybrid as three days at home. <laughs> not six days. What do we do? So let's say your company, Acme Corporation, whatever, says, okay, all of those who only want to come into the office two days our guardrail or policy, whatever, is fine. But those two days have to be Monday and Friday. People who are okay working three days a week, you can have Tuesday through Thursday. What do you think? That's a good solution. It's like um, creating that's, that's, that's the wisdom of Solomon, isn't it? Sort of um, in terms of separating the, the babies in the Bible, and that sort of expression of well, giving that sense of... That wasn't a good example, Julian, because those babies would die. I like no, 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 but they didn't. But it's it's that wisdom of actually giving somebody some choices. What they really, ma what really matters to them, I guess. I guess. And incentiv in incentivizing them. You yeah. know, I'm a little bit more manipulative than you, so I think of it as sort of like behavioral economics. You know, if there's a behavior you want, you can incentivize it. So that's my. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get caught up. People just the office is the be all and end all thing. And that's, it's still to me that, that even that conversation centers around the office. And I think there's bigger things to think about. And 
And you said it before about that whole having that agility and mindset. And that's that's the key thing with all this, because we are continually changing, adapting. You know, last year was a year of resilience. This year is all about agility and being flexible as we go forward. And that's hybrid, that's innovating, you know, see it, embrace it as innovation. And it's quite in some ways, if you embrace it excitingly, you'll start to see some really interesting things and you'll learn loads because you'll fail loads as well. And because things will go wrong. And that's and- okay. And that's okay. That's okay. So we have shoot shot past our 15 minutes um, time limits as we set ourselves, our own guardrail. Uh, so thank you for those guys and ladies who have been listening. And we will continue this conversation uh, next week. Um, yep. Good Looks to see fun. you, Nancy. Good to see you. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>